Two in with Sergio and the vet is back. And Sergio, I don't know about you, but over here in Northern California, I think the um, appropriate catchphrase right now would be stand back because there's a hurricane coming through. We've got like some legit gale force winds out here. Uh, stuff is getting blown over. Um, 60 mile per hour wind is it's, it's crazy right now. Uh, if the, if the podcast goes out suddenly while you're listening to it, um, even though it's not live, uh, just, just know that that's what happened. Uh, I was cut off. No, you guys don't, you guys don't get hurricanes, do you? Nah, it's not a hurricane, but it is pr- some strong wind and rain right now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, weather's well, well, getting weird. Yeah. Anything, uh, down South happening weird? Any snow uh, so, yet? Uh, no, it's just like it's like thirty-five degrees. It's uh, it's pretty decent. That's cool. Did it snow a lot uh, last year? No, we've been getting less and less snow every year. So like so like we get less snow, but didn't last year didn't like Vegas and California snow? There might have been a little bit of snow. Oh, less snow the better for me. So I'll take it. Yeah, I remember that one time back when we lived together. It snowed so bad, like. The power went out for several days. Remember that? Uh, vaguely. People still bring it up, like the old ice storm or something. Um, I'm trying to remember what we did with no power. Well, you were, I think you went somewhere else, like, uh, I don't know, to a friend's house or some, you know, quote unquote friend, you know, uh, or, or something. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly where you went, but um, yeah, there was there was no power in that whole complex. So everybody was just kind of just chilling in there, literally. Um, it was it, it was several inches of snow. I couldn't even get to work. Um, I was snowed in. I never been snowed in before. Definitely wasn't fun. And I didn't have no way to get in contact with nobody because I didn't have a cell phone. So that's when you gave me the spare cell phone that you had on your account. And that was my first cell phone. Oh, wow. Okay. You've got quite yeah. the memory. Yeah. yeah, well, you know. It was a traumatic experience for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ha- having to having to get a cell phone after all those years, like that was very traumatic. But um, you were a 2008 Timothy Thatcher. That's pretty much it, right? I'm from Sacramento too, so it's, it all it all worked out. Um, so yeah, so that that's what's going on up here. But uh, what's going on in the world of professional wrestling? That's what the people really want to know. That's the million-dollar question. Uh, well, as far as professional wrestling goes, it looks like we have the return of Renee Paquette, or as we know, Renee Young. She's uh, confirmed to returning to uh, WWE's backstage set on January 30th for uh, on FS1. Um, so just to clarify, I believe she's working with Fox and not and not WWE, right? Isn't that how that works? I'm pretty sure that's it, and it, it might be an only a one-time thing because it's the Rumble. So it's going to be her, Booker T, and Paige on this episode that I know of. Which is weird. If you're only going to do it one time and CM Punk's not going to be on it, you'd think maybe he had some other plans. I don't know. Oh, I didn't realize, I didn't realize it was a one-off. Maybe it is, huh? Because she's got her podcast now, and she's been interviewing a lot of AEW people, like, you know, Moxley and, uh, you know, um, Tony Khan was on recently and different people here and there. So I thought it would be interesting for her to be on that show and also maybe appear on AEW or something at the same time. But if it's a one-off, then, you know, that's, that's what it is, I guess. 
I do like it though, whether it's a one-off or, or even if they're going to stick around, but I just like the idea of people in the WWE being annoyed that Renee Young is on a WWE show. You know what I mean? I love that. I love thinking about, you know, somebody getting irritated that she's on, you know, WWE uh, affiliated program with Booker T and stuff, you know, I love that. It's great. Hmm. But yeah, I'll have to remember to record that because I don't think uh, I don't think my DVR is set to record backstage anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think mine might be actually. So that's that's good enough. Well, all right, all right. So the news here: Mark Henry says AEW shouldn't sign controversial former WWE star. Can you guess who that might be? Hmm. Well. It's probably not a small guy or a medium guy. Would you think it's a big guy? I'd say so. <laughs> okay. We were about last week the uh, Twitter, the Twitter controversy between uh, Mark and uh, and Ryback. A lot of heated things, especially from Mark's side. Um, his interview's pretty long here. Um, so so basically, if you listen to Ryback's podcast, he has kind of hinted on. He doesn't want to return to wrestling. He's getting in great shape. And, he, and it's not, he's even open to a WWE return, uh, even though he still missed a lawsuit with them. Um, but it seems like he's, he, is aiming, he is leaning towards AEW. I know he has friends there. I, you know, I'm sure it was just a matter of time before he shows up there. But according to this interview, it's almost as if, um, I guess, some, right back state of summer, that that's where he's going to be returning. And uh, Mark Henry, uh, it's a pretty long interview. But... Um, what does he say here? Um, Jesus. Well, while you find it, I'll I'll say that I got a chance to listen to the. Uh, I, I heard Mark Henry's comments, the things that he said. I heard it from his own mouth. I guess one of the podcasts I was listening to played a clip of it. Maybe it was uh, keeping it one hundred. They played like a long clip of Mark Henry's, uh, you know, answers from busted open um, that he was saying, and you know, I mean. I, I get it. Mark Henry's kind of, he's kind of sticking up for the WWE who's, you know, been his whole, that, that's his whole wrestling life. He didn't go to independence. He didn't do, you know, he didn't pay the, those, I mean, not saying he didn't pay any dues, but, um, but WWE is what he knows. So he's not going to sit by and let somebody kind of run the company down. That's, you know, helped him to be who he is. So I can understand like him wanting to defend that. But another part of Mark Henry has to also know that the WWE didn't always treat Mark Henry right. So he also knows that Ryback has to have a point, uh, you know, uh, uh, about certain things. Um, so it's just kind of it's just kind of funny how you can go at somebody. Uh, there's got to be some like longstanding thing between them, too, because, you know, if if you remember, he was doing like he was calling himself the silverback. Uh, Ryan Reeves was silverback Ryan Reeves. And then um, all of a sudden one day, Mark Henry's on SmackDown calling himself the silverback, you know, could be a coincidence, but in wrestling, I doubt it. You know, you kind of, you, you kind maybe Mark Henry didn't particularly steal it from him, but maybe somebody uh, said that to Mark Henry or, you know, said, said, Hey, you should call yourself the silverback. Maybe that person had heat with Reeves and, just wanted to, you know, stick it to him somehow. Um, just, just stuff like that happens. 
Um, but uh, yeah, that's why that's where the whole ride back name comes from. It's a combination of his first name and the end of his nickname. But it still ends up sounding like a cracker that a baby should eat. But nonetheless, that's where the name came from. So um, yeah. So did you find the uh, Mark Hanning quote yet? I think I vamped enough. Not a lot of substance, but long story short, he says uh, that quote. I hope that the good old folks at AEW sees the snake in the wood pile and says, no, thank you, because you can say whatever you want, but you have to believe somebody when they say with their own words how they feel. There's another WWE legend that had to live with the fans and the talent not respecting them like they used to. I think this is the same category that he's going to be in. Nobody is going to look at him and go, he was just joshing like he said. He talked about the sympathy plea in the second section of his rebuttal. He said, Oh, my back is so jacked up and I'm hurt. I had to step away from the business and I can't do what I used to, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, not really much said. There's, there's definitely some heat there. Um, I know Ryback physically was really jacked up after he left, but he's been, he's been a pretty big advocate on uh, stem cells. And he's even gone out to... Um... So apparently when you leave the country, you can get more somewhere else. I guess there's like a limit on how much you can get here. And he was off somewhere else with Kevin Nash. And apparently it, it, stem cells, it's like, it's the thing. And I know Rey Mysterio got something in his knee. I don't know how, I'm assuming it's expensive, but uh sounds pretty effective. Somewhere in South America, I think they go. I don't know exactly where. I don't remember. Well, I don't remember. I don't know why Ryback would be so messed up. I don't remember him doing all that much. Sure, it must have happened, though. Um, his finisher, which was like that backpack suplex where he landed on his back. No, I mean, he landed on his butt, right? Um, No. <laughs> Pretty sure not. I think he... I think he... Uh, it was more just like a... Um, Kind of like a fall away, like he he had him like almost like a Samoan drop almost, if, if I remember correctly. I don't remember him going to his ass, but there was that that period there where he would pick up like two or three indie guys at the same time. <laughs> maybe that maybe that uh, jacked his back up. I don't know. Well, you look at Hogan for example, how jacked up his his body is just from doing the leg drop all those years, yeah. Yeah. Well, that does make sense though. If you if you are landing on your you are landing on your ass and hips and stuff like that, then yeah, it's going to take a toll. I just thought Ryback was taking a regular back bump, but I mean, either way, maybe it happened in the gym and he's just blaming wrestling. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of deadlifts. I think those do more harm than good. So uh, that could be one thing for sure. Uh, so we have here uh, WWE or ESPN. Is reportedly finished with WWE. What? I, forgot that, I forgot they're even together because I don't I don't watch ESPN. But were they showing a lot of WWE stuff? Mm, I think they they had they worked out like a little deal um, to where they had like a working relationship. I don't really know where it started exactly. It might have something to do with Jonathan Coachman because if you remember, Jonathan Coachman left WWE to go to ESPN for a job there. And after that, um, you started seeing more guys show up on some of their programs as guests. You know, you'd see a, a Triple H here, or Ric Flair there, or 
you know, anybody would just show up on there. So, you know, maybe that was part of it. Maybe coach was like a bridge between the two and, you know, for whatever reason, they're kind of done. But what does this, uh, what does this article say or, or why did they give a reason why? Yeah, there's a, well, my next piece of news was going to be the Peacock deal. Mm. Uh, and so basically, uh, something about that deal, which made, which soured ESPN. So here it is. Uh, there's, there's issues between WB and ESPN. I believe the ESPN was a significant part of the WB network talks before WB decided on a deal with NBCU for Peacock. Disney is the parent company of ESPN, and there were rumors at one point of Disney slash ESPN potentially being interested in buying WWE. <laughs> ESPN found out three weeks ago that they were not getting the WWE network deal, uh, and that's pretty much what had soured their relationship. Makes sense. Well, um, so, you know, like you said, there was a piece of news. Well, you want to go into the, you want to go into the Peacock thing now, and then we'll talk about kind of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So W network, uh, basically, so here it is. So, uh, uh, starting March 18th, is it? Uh, the network will now be streaming on Peacock. Uh, which is a five-year deal, a little over a billion dollars. Uh, my question is, which you'd probably know more than I would, so Peacock, so like I stream my network through, I mean, it's an app, obviously, which I stream, which I stream through the Roku. Like, what's Peacock? Like, uh, do, you, do you have any idea what it is? Sure. It's the uh, new streaming app um, for NBC Universal. So anything under the NBC slash Universal Pictures um, brand uh, can be found, um, you know, on this new app. So it, basically what's happened is uh, over the past several years, um, there's been a huge, huge, and you can see this no matter who you are, a huge uptick in streaming services like there used to be just very few like Netflix, right? It would be like one of your only ones that you know of. And now everybody has their own like streaming service. And that's that's kind of like an attempt to counter the fact that a lot of people are getting rid of cable. You know, it used to be everybody had cable and that was the thing, right? Cable or satellite. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be one of those two things. And then you got all these channels and all this other stuff. Well, that shit starts to get expensive. I mean, anybody that has cable knows it's just, it ain't cheap to even have like some of the most basic stuff because they keep on sneaking hidden fees and stuff like that in there and just trying to gouge people here and there where they can. So same thing with satellite, you know, they, they promise you an introductory rate. And then after the introductory rate is over, then the price goes up and just all this stuff. And they expect people to just pay it um, because it's more of a hassle than canceling it sometimes. So they, you know, but more and more people just use the internet for all of their TV watching, movie watching and stuff like that. It's not like the old days when there was no internet and you basically were stuck at the mercy of cable and satellite. Now that the internet has all these programs, whether, whether legally or illegally, you can stream them. Um, most people are going with that. So how can, how, how can companies that were counting on you to pay for the cable how can they get you to watch if you're if everybody's giving up cable? Well, you start your own streaming service and you have exclusive content that you can only get on that streaming service. Now, of course, the pirates are going to find a way to get that 
uh, that stuff anyway. Like I can watch, you know, anything I want to anytime I want to. And so can everybody else if they know where to go. But a lot of people don't. I mean, these are the same people. They're old, right? Like these are the people that are still watching raw on cable, you know, on, on the USA network. And that's why the numbers are so low and they keep getting lower, not only because the show's bad, but also because more and more people um, are probably getting rid of cable because, you know, they're going with these other streaming services. So Peacock is just the newest one for NBC, and they call it Peacock because, you know, their logo is that Peacock, I mean, you know? You yeah. Know that? Yeah, the logo. Okay. So uh, so they're, they're now that because NBC, NBC is owned by Comcast. Like Comcast owns the whole thing. Um, so, so like they're a cable company. So that seems like a conflict of interest right there. Um, but they're going to get their money from the people that are still having cable and they're going to get their money from the younger people that are switching to streaming services by taking this, uh, you know, they'll, they'll say, Oh, look, we got the office. And remember how all you kids like watching the office 10 times. Well, now you can watch it on Peacock, you know, because we took it off Netflix. So they're going to get those people signing up for, um, for the this new streaming service uh, to make up for some of the customers that they lost through cable. Uh, now, uh, this is actually a good deal for anybody that has the network because now you're already paying $9.99 for the network and a premium, a super premium, no ad subscription to Peacock, I think costs $9.99. So for the exact same price, you get the WWE Network and all those other TV shows and movies that Peacock has. So everybody here like is coming up. Everybody's coming up except for uh, Comcast because they're the ones that dropped a billion dollars on the shitty WWE product. But you also get, but of course that means you also get everything they ever did. All those old pay-per-views, all that other stuff, all these new documentaries they got coming out, all these shows, like all this stuff that's on the network's a hell of a deal. No matter what you think of the company, the WWE Network at nine ninety nine. You know, that's it's been nine ninety nine since it came out. So that, it, and they've added a lot of content to it. Um, Hell of a deal. It's better. It's way better than trying to pay sixty dollars for one of their shitty pay-per-views. Right. The, the nine dollars is good. So um, so that's a good deal right there. Um, but that explains why Disney, who's a competitor uh, and they own ESPN. Well, now they're going to be like, well, shit, if we're going to do that, then we're not going to have a working relationship with you. You know how business works. We can't be dealing with our competitors. It's just like Renee Young going to uh, backstage when she, the WWE doesn't want her to do backstage because she's a, she's a AEW wrestler's wife and all this other petty bullshit. Right. So kind of, kind of interesting, interesting and, um, you know, lucrative for everybody involved, I suppose. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, I don't even, I don't think the numbers have come out quite yet. But uh, for so 2020, WDB is supposed to be uh, setting some financial records. So it's kind of ironic because I'd have to say the product is probably the worst it's ever been, and, and you know, in my opinion, and you know, many others. But they're also making the most money they ever made. So it's just, uh, you know, at the end of the day, how much money do you need? How much money do you want? Is it worth sacrificing your own product? I don't know. Well, it doesn't cost any more to make a good show than a bad show. I mean, th- theoretically, uh, well, if if you're just if you're just having words like if you're just writing words down that you want people to say, it's it's just as easy to write good ones as bad ones. If you you know, it doesn't cost any more 
to write good words or whatever the case may be. And also it's a, a matter of perspective in the sense of you have to remember that it, is, is it, are they, they're, they're making the most money in, in terms of dollar figures, but like also uh, because of the market value for television rights going up. I mean, they can't help it that people are willing to pay them more money, even if it's not worth that money. So because of the market fluctuation and the fact that there's inflation just in the dollar in general, you know, like a million dollars, a million dollars today is not the same as a million dollars was 20, 30 years ago. And on top of that, um, they're not spending as much money so they can say their profit margin is bigger. You know, with all the money reduced from having to tour and do all that kind of stuff. Now you can say, oh, yes, we're making more money than we ever have, even though you're also spending less money than you ever have. So it's all you have, you have to keep all of these things in mind when they're they're throwing out these figures. And you know how the WWE likes to, you know, throw out these these claims of, you know, the most anything's ever, you know, but you really have to pay attention to what they're saying. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, they are spending much less than they ever have. Yeah. All right, man. That's all I got for the news. That's it, huh? Uh, did you get a chance to skim through Dark this week? I did not, actually. It's the first time I didn't get a chance to skim through it. Well, I don't think you missed much. Um, perhaps uh, there, was a, there was a debut of somebody named Brooke Havoc who said that she was, they, she was having her first match ever on Dark. Uh, oh, wow. and it just so happened to be against um, Dr. Britt Baker. So, mercifully, this was short. It definitely looked like it was her first match. And um, it was over quickly, so that's good. And um, they also had a walk-off between Pretty Peter Avalon and Lee Johnson. So, if you're familiar with uh, Zoolander, you know what the walk-off is. You walk down the runway, pose, and people judge. So, uh I, I'll just I'll just tell you in case you didn't get a chance to see it. Lee Johnson won on a technicality because Jerry Lynn called for a replay and saw that pretty Peter Avalon stumbled a little bit on his walk. So he got his nine turned into a six. Mm. Great stuff. Great. Just amazing. Great stuff. I was going to say that Brooke Havoc chick. Uh, she's a Cody Rhodes student. Oh, OK. All right. Hmm. I don't know where Cody Rhodes is. Uh, where the ring is or where his school is. Like, do, you, do you have any information on that? I'm going to assume it's somewhere in Georgia. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Maybe he moved it to Florida. Who knows? Uh, might be more convenient these days. But, uh, yeah, so that's um, that's pretty much that. Uh, I guess we could move right into Dynamite, um, unless there's any objections. No? Okay, let's go. Uh Dynamite. Happy birthday, negative one. All right, we're going to have a birthday party for Brody Lee's kid. I don't want to say anything bad and have people hate me, so I'll just say, hey, happy birthday, Brody Lee Jr. Yay. Um, and we have a match afterwards. And unfortunately, I believe that this match had to have, um, you know, the what is the name of that group? Chaos Project? Is that what they call uh Chris yeah. Jericho's fat friend and his skinnier friend, his tiny skinny friend. And Sir Pentigo. Yeah. Uh, this, um, 
whoever thought that it would be a good idea for this guy to, and, and th- keep in mind, this is a company that's built on the entire foundation is people hooking their friends up with a job. And even amongst all well, that, this guy has got to be clearly the worst anything ever in this company. He can't do anything. There is not one redeeming quality for Dr. Luther, unless you can come up with something to correct me, Sergio. Uh, if I have to find one positive, I thought his promo was decent. That promo was so fucking awful. He should be embarrassed. It's almost like he's never been on television. It's like he he's like a guy that would be on TV making fun of how pro wrestlers talk on like a sitcom or something. <laughs> My God. And he had to like he couldn't even he couldn't even fall on the birthday cake, right? <sighs> but the but the, the the main point of this whole thing was is Adam Page going to join the Dark Order? That was the whole uh, point of the scene here, the segment. We're supposed to find out if Adam Page was going to join. Well, Sergio, did Adam Page join the Dark Order? He did not. He said no. He said no. <laughs> of course, they already had planned for him to say yes, and they hit the they hit the thing to say that he said yes. It's That's like from a movie or something, I think. I don't remember what it was, but... Probably, probably several movies uh, where they expected the person to say yes, so they had all the celebration ready, and then they had to call it off when they realized he actually said no. Um, what did you think of all this? Uh, you know, kind of like what you said in the beginning. I'm not going to really bash the, uh, the the whole birthday gimmick and whatever uh, Brody Jr. is doing or Negative One is doing. You know, it is what it is. Uh, I always like seeing Adam Page. I think he's, you know, one of the best there. Um it's one of those things where, like, AEW, uh, they do a good job on storytelling into where they don't give you much. Everything's real subtle, and they don't overexpose anything. So even if there's a story you're not interested in, uh, you're probably not going to see it again for two weeks, or you're going to see it in little pieces. You don't see a lot of it until you're sick of it, if that makes any sense. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I'm a Page fan. I, I don't really care for the Dark Order, but... The story in itself is, you know, somewhat interesting. Well, now that Adam Page said no, what are they going to do? Story's over, right? Question. Well, no. It's probably. It seems like they're they're faces now, so I don't I don't know. I guess uh, we got to tune in tonight. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we're also going to carve out time for Sting just to congratulate Darby Allen. Like that's a promoted spot on the show, you know, with the, with the commercial bumpers and stuff where they're saying later tonight, Sting will congratulate Darby Allen. Like, can you imagine like writing that down as something that's going to happen in your show? It's like, couldn't you just congratulate him off to the side somewhere? Like, why do we have to spend TV time on it? But I mean, we know why, uh, so that Sting can be on TV and do nothing again, but still, um, and then, you know, we get the whole Taz interrupting everything. It's just like, I don't know. This just seems weird to me. Like this whole thing is like, it feels like it's going, it, it should be going somewhere. And I feel like it's going nowhere and wherever it ends up going, I feel like it won't be good. Uh, they, they sort of insinuate that there's going to be some kind of a, 
a match between Darby Allen and Sting and maybe somebody from the Taz group. Maybe maybe if you get Taz and Sting as two old guys with uh, broken bodies that can't wrestle and then let their tag team partners do all the work, maybe something like that can come out of it. But right now, as it's been, it's like one 60-year-old man points a bat at four uh, four other dudes, three of whom are pretty capable, two of whom are massive, uh, and then that's enough to scare them away. So, not really buying it, but what do you have to say about it? Yeah, I'm not buying it, but, you know, we're also not really buying Darby Allen either, so it's just one of those, uh, it is what it is. We just have to accept it. I don't have to accept a damn thing. I'll fight it every week. Um, so the, uh, the Young Bucks go to Kenny's house. You want to kind of uh, take the people through what happened here in this little this little miniature movie? Yeah, first of all, Kenny has one hell of a house. Uh, mm. I, was trying to wonder, I was trying to figure out which city he lives in. Um, yeah, who knows? But yeah, so they, I guess they go there. They're supposed to have a meeting with Kenny. Don Callis is there. Uh, K- Kenny's not there. He's too busy. He can't even answer his phone. Apparently, he may have changed his number, but didn't give the his new number. There's this uh, awkward painting on the wall where uh, Kenny and Don Callis are extra jacked. <laughs> in speedos that are extra small, it's like a competition pose. Um, yeah. Somehow they get into a scuffle, and we find out that the Young Bucks pretty much. Well, I guess they either beat up Don Callis or Don Callis set them up, but. Yes, I guess they they gave him quite the black eye. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen when Kenny finds out? Um. So Cody has added a third uh, Snoop Dogg wrapped entrance theme to his entrance theme. So he's got three now. He's got three entrance themes and one entrance. Uh. And this is for his match with them, with uh, Peter Avalon again. Um, every time I look at Peter Avalon, Sergio, my first thought is, I retired too early. <laughs> I mean, if people like this can be on television, like, what was I worried about? So anyway. I think we both retired too early. Yeah, we miss like we we missed our we missed our calling by like ten years. We got in when nobody could get in. Now everybody can get in. Yeah. So everybody, everybody, regardless of skill. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yes. Be sure to check out the Next Level Wrestling review for Matthew McConaughey. Um. So, uh, yeah, so this seemed like it should just be a spot um, because Jade Cargill comes out almost immediately to distract Cody, and then Avalon gives Cody a shot in the balls. So I just thought, okay, well, this is probably just, this this is sort of to just advance whatever they're trying to do with Cody, Shaq, whatever they're trying to do. But it still turns into a competitive match. After that, and it goes into a, it, like even goes through a break. So like Cody's having like a real match with Peter Avalon, uh, who who couldn't even beat uh, Lee Johnson at runway modeling. 
So I don't know. I just, I'm just really not, uh, I'm not into any of this stuff. This is some of the worst things that AEW does, especially in terms of consistency where, you know, you want, you want to have, um, you know, show Cody as like some sort of an old school throwback, rugged, tough, you know, beat Brody Lee in a chain match, you know, uh, to the point that he died. And then, and then he has to have a competitive match with Peter Havilon. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I, this, this does not work for me. I don't know any other way to say it. It does not work for me. And I can't be the only one. So, Cody, you, you can tell Cody likes having a competitive matchup with everybody. You know, he's the new John Cena. Uh, but, um, with, and we saw him work, you know, various indie wrestlers, you know, week, on a weekly basis when he had that uh, TNT title run. But something about the Peter Avalon character, they did everything they could to make it competitive with the distraction and the cheap shots from Peter. But, um, I don't know, man. Yeah, like, you know, I agree with you. Like, Peter Avalon, his character, just even though it made sense for him to get heat on Cody, it's still, we still couldn't buy it. You know, it was just, it was phony. It was, yeah, just, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't good. I will say, I'll give, I'll give Cody credit. He's, he's looking like a million physically, you know. Um, he looks like he's still getting a little bigger. I know he did claim to be natural, and I don't actually agree. I'm willing to bet that he's just taking a little testosterone, and that's it, because his games haven't been that aggressive. They've been very subtle, and I can just tell by looking at him. Uh, it looks like he's pretty, just pretty much on a pretty uh, mild testosterone cycle. Well, that's still not natural, even that's, if it's just a little. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, but... uh. But I mean, the, the main thing here, though, is Peter Avalon, like just like the whole th the match had nothing to do with anything. It should not have been a match. If you want to have a match with him, go go have it on dark or something. But if but the, this whole point was nothing about Peter Avalon. The whole point was Jade Cargill and all that stuff to get that story. So you don't need to have 10 minutes here. Just do your thing and move on. I and mean, that's all it has to be. You could have even had him hit Cody in the balls and then the referee, like, catch him doing it and disqualify him. I mean, w what difference would it have made? Cody still wins, but now we don't have to waste 10 minutes on this. And the thing about guys like Peter Avalon is like, look, it's nothing against the man personally because I don't know him. It's not even about um, – it's, 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 it's more like you should – if you're going to, if you look like that and you're going to be on television fighting dudes, whether it's real or not, if you look like that, you got to be one hell of a worker. You know what I mean? Like you got to make up for it. You got to have some, one of the areas that you need. You need, you need to have mic skills. You need to have a physique and some size. You need to have great work. Um, that you got to have one of those things. If you have none of those things, and I don't care how much of a wrestling fan you are, you should have enough respect for the business to see yourself out. That, that's just how I feel about it. Um, so funny story. <clears throat> if, you, if you watch EC3's uh, TNA debut, which 
which would have been what 2012 maybe. Uh, he actually his matches against Peter Avalon under a different name, and uh, you think Peter Avalon looks bad now? Wait till you see him in that match. So he's he's come a long way. Wow, this is the long way. I don't ever want to go back to the beginning. But I mean, speaking of TNA and EC3, so like you take a guy like Rockstar Spud, right? Who's Drake Maverick now? Now look, no one's the 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 guy is the size of a child, but he's fire on the mic, and he's not that bad of a worker. But we don't want to see him work; we just want to hear him talk and be entertaining, right? But he's got that at least. So just the fact that his body is like an eight-year-old kid doesn't, you know, and size-wise, uh, but at least he can entertain us you know what i mean but avalon doesn't have that i'm not saying he's bad i'm just saying like he's not so good that i'm willing to overlook all that other stuff see what i'm saying it's just i don't know i don't know gimmick was entertaining you know even even as a jobber gimmick you know you know he's gonna lose that's fine but uh this new gimmick i'm really not digging well yeah and plus he's well but even the librarian thing like half of it was just him going shh I mean, how, how do you mess that up charisma-wise? <laughs> I mean, you know, once he starts talking, then it's like a corny 80s promo. Um, so, anyway. Um, and speaking of, speaking of things that are annoying, like, seriously, I have a serious question. Does anyone out there think legitimately John Moxley is cool? Like, I mean, like, legitimately cool. Like, who's watching John Moxley... And going, man, that guy's cool. Like he's just the way he's like, he comes out here and he's like spitting water on himself and he's got his weird Stu Sanders walk and he's like rolling his shoulders. And, you know, he, he the way he moves is like a precursor to retribution. The, you, you know how the, every one of the retribution people moves weird? And that's what John Moxley's always done. He just moves weird. He's just like, like, you know, I remember I was watching wrestling with my brother and he's when he was in New Japan and. My brother's just looking at him like, who the fuck, does anybody seriously think this guy's cool? Like, and I, I'm like, yeah, does anybody? I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. He looks like something that people would make fun of, and, and he's trying to come off as a badass, and he's not. He's just not. To me, he's not. He might look the part if you just saw him in a photo, but when you see him in action, just moving weird and just being stupid, like, I don't know. It is not cool to me. I don't know. What about you? You think he's cool? Uh, I agree with you. I think I think there's a lot of people that think he's cool. Um, you know, here at two in, uh, we're not two of them, I guess, right? Yeah, we are. We are not two. But that's the thing. Like anybody that claims that they think he's cool, I would love to just sit in a room with them. You know, like almost like you remember how we would do tape review and stuff at OVW, sit in the room and watch it. So just just me and this this other person that claims that John Moxley's cool, I want to sit there with him and show him, like, the videotape and be like, okay, see here when he spits water all over himself? Like, not like Triple H. It looks more like uh, he just dribbled it out of his mouth, like uh, he just got a shot of Novocaine in the face. Like, does, does that look cool? Like, do you think that's cool? It's just drooling on yourself? No, no. Okay. What about here where he's, like, he's like walking in the ring, swinging his arms or something like he, he's – he he can't feel his uh his his extremities. Is that is that cool? No. Okay. I mean, just I want to I want to go you know bit by bit and break it down. But he's got um, good promos. You know, I'll give him that. Yeah, but then you got to deal with everything else. I, I the promos aren't worth it to me. Um, 
I thought he was cool when he first showed up in FCW. I'm like, who's this guy? He's going to be a big star one day. And I was like, but. Shut up, Sergio! That, that was one one thing you ever got right. Okay, and you'll never you'll never stop talking about it. <laughs> you don't even get to take credit for uh, for uh, Seth Rollins because he was already like a fucking Ring of Honor champion and stuff when they signed him. Um. So and and, and another credit for Dolph Ziggler. No, no, you don't get credit for Dolph Ziggler because you because even you can't. Even 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 you couldn't uh, stick with Dolph Ziggler all these years. You you soured on him pretty quick. Hey, speaking of Dolph Ziggler, did you see he was in the crowd? Huh. His brother uh, Ryan Nemeth, former uh, his brother Ryan Ziggler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's making his debut tonight, and uh, he's gonna wrestle. Uh, who the hell is he working? Shit. Cody for twenty minutes. <laughs> oh, no, actually, is he Moxley? I don't know. He's working somebody. But uh, they even did a Road to Dynamite on his the YouTube show, and it was an entire special on just Ryan Nemeth. So I don't know if he signed with the company, but I was really surprised when they when WWE released him because, I mean, he's basically the splitting image of Ziggler, same size, same charisma, you know, both former amateur wrestlers. Uh, I thought he had a ton of potential, so it would be nice to see him in AEW. I think he's a he's a unique guy. Well, he had a lot of th- similarities to his brother, and maybe one of those similarities was his heat. Um, <laughs> Possibly. So, so speaking of, so just get to be- back to this match real quick. This is a squash match, uh, and it's against Nick Camarado. So you see these two guys facing each other. One of them looks like a jobber, and one of them looks like the star, and I'll let you guess who. But <laughs> nonetheless, um, why does this squash ma- <laughs> squash match? I, I mean, he, Nick Camarado is pretty hairy, so squash match isn't that far off. But why does this squash match get champion intros? You know, where where Jezza Roberts is like announcing their names as they're both in the ring, like as if this is a championship match. Like, why is this random match getting these kind of intros? That's stupid. Um, but yeah, so Camarado got some offense, didn't he? You did, but it, it doesn't matter. Like, we all knew what was happening here. Yeah, yeah. Still, like, why do you get a champion intro for that? Nobody knows. Um, yeah, uh, so we got Hardy Party versus Top Flight and Side Al. Um, and I just was, you know, I wrote down, like, holy shit, I did not pay attention to this. Um, but I did actually catch the ending where. I saw Quinn do the shooting star press and like hit his foot on the rope. So um, that's what I got to say about this. Uh, did you uh, have any notes on it? Not really, man. Uh, I think Private Party has, uh, I think they have potential. If they can kind of tone down their in ring stuff a little bit, and you know, which I guess Matt Hardy, probably real life is helping them out. So I'm rooting for them. But uh, no, I didn't really care about this match. Well, I guess private party are evil now. I mean, yeah, one of them, that. Yeah, the other one didn't agree with it, but they took the one anyways. Mm-hmm. Gotta take the win, man. Yeah. Take it um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Charles Taylor comes out with a uh, Penelope. Um, I thought it was funny that Miro called orange Cassidy, a George Michael wannabe. Uh, but this is your first look at Chuck Taylor, who I guess is the butler. He's the butler, Charles Taylor now. 
um, since he's lost. Um, what'd you think of this? Any comments or is this how you like to see Chuck Taylor dressed up like a butler? Yeah. If I have to watch Chuck Taylor, uh, this is it. <laughs> as um, many clothes as possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm surprised at the size difference. I guess Miro really is a legit, maybe six foot at most. Um, I was surprised by that. I like this version of Miro as a heel. Do you see the difference between him and Rusev? Rusev was kind of just angry all the time. Miro is more himself where he's able to smile and laugh and some digging it. Um, we skipped over the match. I actually really, really liked this Layla Hirsch versus Penelope Ford match. I think Layla Hirsch has a, has a lot of potential. Um, I'm always, I've always been a fan of like former, like, you know, amateur wrestlers. I like that style in the ring. I think she'd actually be a really great fit in team Taz as well. If you really wanted to do something with her, but, um, Nonetheless, you can tell as well in this match, they started off with a really strong tie-up, which I'm going to have to go on a limb and say maybe maybe Serena's kind of teaching class beforehand. Did you catch that as well? Yeah, it's not a bad assumption on your part. And also to the heat spot, uh, it was simple. Penelope Ford just kicked Layla in the knee, and Layla sold it. Sold it to the point where I thought she got legit hurt. Because why is she selling for a simple little kick to the knee? And that, and that was smart. Did you catch that too? Legit Layla Hurt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. Because much like the six-man tag from earlier, I barely paid attention to this. Uh, well, yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, one I thing heard... I didn't like... What's, what's that? Oh, I was just going to say, I heard, I heard Miro call uh, Orange a George Michael wannabe. I heard that part. Yeah, yeah, didn't catch the knee, the knee heat. So go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Penelope fan, and I've grown to be a Layla Hirsch fan, so I was I was paying attention to it. All right, um, Layla Hirsch is like, she's a couple inches away from being a midget. Like I I don't know that word's not politically correct to say, but I'm just gonna say it anyway. Like she is really, really short. Four eleven, huh? It, it four eleven that may be stretching it. Um, that is small. Over the summer, I was hanging out with some chick who was five foot, and I was like, "Whoa, it's the same thing essentially." But that's, yeah. that's small. Even my my son walks in, he's like, "Your friend is short." <laughs> he's ten. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it, it's it's very it's very noticeable when you see it. Um, let's see. Good brothers are wearing belts again while they're beating up Penta. So I got a question. I don't know if I've ever asked it before, but I guess I've always wondered it even way, way back when, like 10, 15 years ago. Why is Lou Gallo's arms always oiled up? <laughs> he might be wearing, um, I have this cream that you're supposed to put over your tattoos, yeah. which makes it shine. It makes them look shiny. And, and I'm almost wondering if that's what he's using. Okay, I mean, is the the purpose of that is just tattoo gloss? Yeah, I kind of just, I think, I don't know. I, I did. It's funny. I noticed that with, with uh, Luke Gallus, but it didn't really register with me. But I think, I think it kind of makes his arms look good. It makes so, him look like he put something on his arms. That's what it makes it look like. Because there's no, there's nothing else on the rest of him, but just his arms are shiny. So yeah, it's probably something for the tattoos. 
I'm, don't you have to put like when you get a tattoo and it's still fresh, don't you have to put like a cream on it for a, a little while to, you know, to help with the process or whatever? Yeah, I think you just put lotion on it, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. I, for, I forgot. Okay. You put, some, you put something on it. It's been a while. It's been a while since your last tattoo, huh? It's been like 10 years, actually. Yeah, wow. Man, you ever going to get any more? I don't know. I look at it like this. If I have money for a tattoo, I'd rather go on a trip. That's how expensive they are. And this is how mm. I kind of just, that's, that's how I view it now. That's pretty smart. You still don't have any, do you? No, no. All natural, baby, 100%. When are you going to get that Okada tattoo? Uh, when they make a nice uh, rub on. Um, so the uh, we, we're the main event here, I think, was the Inner Circle three-way. And um, this was um, the subject of more uh, online controversy about Chris Jericho being out of shape and fat. And everything else is a lot of ammunition for the people that have been saying this. I've been saying it for a while. Uh, and um, I've been waiting for the day. And I knew it was going to come. But I've been waiting for it for a long time. Not because I wished it on him. But, like, even back when in, when he was, like, in his prime, it's such a it's, – it's the move that just begs for something to go wrong. And he's always hit it. But the day finally came where he missed the lion salt and he almost domed himself. Uh, he did dome himself, actually, but he hit, he hit his forehead and not like landed right on top of his head and could have severely injured his neck. But he finally didn't make it, man. And um, this was pretty embarrassing, I have to say. Well, you notice he even kind of stutter stepped on that rope instead of hitting both feet at the same time and just doing the moonsault. He kind of hit. The two feet at two separate times, they kind of bounced for a second. And once I saw that, I'm like, oh no. And I've been waiting for it too, not in hopes he's going to hurt himself. Like right, said. right. But I'm like, man, that's a tough move to pull. Even though he's been doing it his whole life, he's just getting up there in age. And it's kind of a tough move to pull off. So that was kind of scary. Luckily, uh, luckily he's okay. And in fairness, I bet you he could do 10 in a row right now and hit all 10. Because, yeah. like you said, this was like, but it was an awkward. It was an awkward takeoff, and he never should have done it. He once once he saw that it was going to be weird, he should have just like hit the ropes and come back with something else. I don't know, elbow drop, knee drop, something. But but the way it was, where somebody was like in his way, and he had to like step over him to get to it, and he didn't get up to the rope. Yeah, he just should have not done it. But that wasn't the only thing. I mean this this whole match was just the shits, basically. I don't know how else to to say it. Uh. I don't remember who won. Was it Jericho and MJF? It was, yeah, which I figured because they've been very, very protective of uh, MJF's win-loss record. I think he only has one loss, right? Um, yeah, maybe two. Okay. So yeah, I actually, I actually really liked the match. Uh, I thought it was entertaining. Uh, I thought it was cool. Uh, Sammy, Sammy Guevara, kind of playing babyface. Uh. It was always kind of entertaining. I think there's too many flips, though. Just because he's a face, or when he plays face, I don't think he should be doing more crazy stuff. He's got a lot of charisma where he can just get his character over, you know? Well, of course. But overall, this episode was kind of, um, well, I don't really have much good to say about it. It was just kind of there. Yeah, they did beat NXT in the ratings again. Ratings were up for both shows. 
Uh, and they beat him pretty significantly. I think it was a couple hundred thousand. All right. Well, we can uh, we can discuss what NXT did wrong, but first I think we should probably take a break because uh, we've just been going hard here, and um, we gotta catch our catch our breath. We don't want to get blown up like Jericho, so we'll take a break and then we'll uh, we'll come back in a second. All right, so NXT loses the ratings, as you mentioned, and uh, we're going to kind of try to figure out why. Now, if you want, of course, the uh, deep, deep, deep dissection of why NXT may have lost in the ratings, then, of course, you're going to want to head over to the Hameen Media Group pages and check out the Next Level Wrestling Review that we do with Colin Wysong every week, uh, where we break down into egregious, sometimes, detail of um, everything about this show and uh, here we're just going to cover the main talking points, anything worthwhile talking about. Um, we get a um, the uh, rough Leon Ruff and Kushida against the Krogers, which ends up being Austin Theory and uh, and Johnny Gargano for this one. Kind of okay little match, nothing amazing. Anything you want to add? No, man, it was a week ago, but it feels so long. Um, yeah, nothing really. Just you know, surprise winner by Kushida and Leon Ross. I thought the way we were going to go a little farther. Yeah, you would think, uh, but you know, here we go. Maybe they could end up uh, since since they're they're most most of this is leading towards something with Kushida and uh, Johnny Gargano. I figure maybe they could cost Ruff and Kushida the next round. And set set it up too, you know, to keep uh, it makes sense. Yeah. keep it alive. So if you're gonna do that, somebody's gotta lose first, right? So um uh Karrion Cross is back. He's facing Ashanti the Adonis. Um this was short, but it was pretty much, you know, whatever it needed to be. Uh and I, I know you're a fan of Cross, so go ahead and put him over for a few seconds. Yeah, very good squash. Uh, Cross is just great. Everything he does, his facials, his, uh, all the stuff he does in between the moves. I remember watching this match, too, and I was thinking, like, man, he'd fit in well to New Japan, I think. And I think he can get over it very well over there. He just kind of had that, I don't know, with the suplexes and everything, and, and, and kind of uh, just everything he does in there kind of just reminded me it was kind of similar of a New Japan style, I guess. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I could see that. I mean, he's clearly influenced by more like a more realistic presentation of uh, professional wrestling. Not necessarily maybe his entrance is very flashy. So he kind of has the best of both worlds where you're getting some sports entertainment with the presentation and the entrance. But he's very no nonsense, black trunks and boots, uh, striking, suplexing, you know. Yeah. So. Um, I heard uh, Melser, they were talking on the Disco podcast. I, I didn't hear what Melser said, but I guess he was kind of burying uh, Karrion Cross. Did you ever, uh, did you hear that? On Disco's? When would Dave Meltzer on, on, ever? No, no, no. He was, they, they brought it up on, on the oh. podcast. Oh. Um, thinking, like, what could he say about Karrion Cross? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. 
Well, my my criticisms I've made in the past are just that I feel like sometimes it's too exaggerated. So he's kind of going for like a more uh, a more professional presentation, but almost like he's a little bit insane or something. Like he's got some layers to the ideas of his character, but I think sometimes he gets a little too into the facials all the time. I think he can pull back from some of that. Uh, that's what I would say. Um, and he, and he's not like, he's still not all the way there with his, uh, with his, um, let's see, what, what would I say? I could, how would I describe this? It's like maybe just his, uh, overall, the way he moves around the ring. I think a little bit is, uh, he could use a little more polish there, but Hmm. Other than that, um, but I mean, he hasn't been doing it that long. So, I mean, he's coming along, uh, progressing at probably even faster of a pace than you would expect. So he's good there. And I can see a guy like him, if Vince McMahon sees him, he's going to want to do something with him because Vince McMahon is a big fan of guys like, you know, that look like killers. Uh, but most of those guys are just terrible, you know? Like, think of, like, a Nathan Jones. You would have thought a guy like Nathan Jones would have made a billion dollars in this business just from looking at him. Uh, but then the bell rings, right? So, you know, Cross doesn't necessarily have that problem. He's not as big as Nathan Jones, but he's got a similar look and the similar presentation. Like, he's like he's some sort of a... You, you, you get the sense that he should probably be in jail somewhere. Yeah, I never thought about that comparison. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, yeah so I, killer promos. Yeah, so I guarantee you that Vince McMahon has never seen Cross because if he had ever seen him once, he'd be on Raw right now. So, anyway, let's talk about something that's way more important than Karrion Cross, and that's Lucha House Party. They're going to take on Imperium. They're going to have a nice little exciting match, um, and uh, they're going to actually get a surprise win here. So you like Imperium, or at least. Fabian Eichner uh, yeah. is, is a guy you like. Um, but, um, but yeah, they, they did not make it, which I thought was weird. And one of the things that we were talking about before is how they brought these guys from Imperium over to the United States sometime in 2020, uh, I want to say 2019. And they've been in the United States for a while. And then this pandemic thing happened. And they were nowhere to be seen. And you would think that because Imperium is mostly based in the UK, you have Walter over there and Alexander Wolf over there. Uh, I don't know why they split them up to bring these guys to the US, um, but they, they kind of did. And then they didn't do nothing with them. So, like, you hardly ever seen Imperium. When's the last time you seen Imperium before this Dusty Classic? Uh, we saw them. You mean uh, just Eichner and Mar- or Marcel or the other yeah, guy? yeah. Well, they were in that. weren't they in that awkward triple threat tag match like two weeks ago? Where it was like three heels, Everett, well, yeah. Imperium. No, no, they they were. But I'm saying before, like before they that. just recently started being on TV again. But they were they yeah, were well, in the U.S. for like all of 2020, and they were barely used at all. Yeah, they they what they had that brief tag title run. I don't know who they lost it to. Was it? Rizango, 
But yeah, they weren't used heavily, but they had a little tag title run there in the, in the middle of it. Yeah. Well, anyway, they lost. Um, then we get a women's Dusty Classic match where we get the K-Sounds tag team versus uh, two good wrestlers. Um, so Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez actually got a good hot tag in here. Um, and Casey Catanzaro hit some weird something or other, something, something for the finish. Never, I can't call this move because I've never quite seen it before. I don't think anybody has. I don't even think Casey's seen it before. I think she just made it up on the spot. But uh, I know you're all, you're also a big fan of hers. So you can go, continue to uh, put her over for a few more seconds. Yeah, she's really good at what she does. I, I, I would, you know, stay away from the super crazy stuff. But you don't have to do a million flips like that. You know, she can get a bigger pop just by doing her little hamstring on the ropes thing that she does, which is much less dangerous, you know? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so the, the the two less experienced people go over here on Tony Storm. And um, that's kind of weird, but, um, you know, whatever. Tony's a total pro. She does the job perfectly. Uh, she's still a little bit of a hairbrusher. Um so maybe she could get like a scrunchie or something, but other than that, I've got she's she's got a flawless uh, work. And um, let's see, Finn Balor wants to face Birch and Lorcan at the same time, and Regal says no, get a partner. Um, let's see, we get a uh, Tyler Rust versus Bronson Reed, um, which is not what uh, Tyler Rust manager Malcolm Bivens wanted, but. You know, after he gets squished with a top rope splash from Bronson Reed, we start to maybe see Malcolm Bivens' point here. Um, anything to say about this? No, decent decent match. Um, yeah, it was what it was. Bronson Reed went over. Looks like they're trying to do something with Bronson Reed. I think I like everything about Bronson Reed except for Bronson Reed. Like, <laughs> I, like his, uh, I like his entrance video where, like, the video wall is like him walking and getting closer to the screen. I think that looks cool. You know, the way they do it, it's almost like animated. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. His and music is cool too. His, yeah, his music has a cool effect. He's got a little jacket with a little Godzilla on the collar. Um, and so they, they play it up um, like he's this huge, you know, this, this colo- the, the colossal Bronson Reed. And then you see him and he's just kind of like a fat guy. Like he's not really that tall. He's not even really super, super fat. He's, you know, he's not like an Ace Romero or somebody like that. Just just kind of fat. A thick boy, I guess, is more accurate to describe him. NXT's resident thick boy. Resident thick boy. Yes. And and Colossus. So he's a thick Colossus. Like, you know. Kind of like Otis. Maybe maybe less of a belly. But similar physique in, in, in the sense to where, I guess they train heavy, but they also eat whatever they want. Pretty much. But yeah, you know, if if we're going to do the Colossus gimmick, I would like to put it on like a taller guy. Like if you have a taller fat guy, I'd use it for him. Um, but, you know, too late. They've already done it. So we're stuck with it. Uh, and he's got a shitty mullet. Um, so Finn Balor goes to ask for Kyle O'Reilly's help. And um, he says, yeah. Uh, I like the way the camera follows Balor into it rather than just starting with the camera in the room and then Finn Balor walking in. Cause like you wouldn't be filming 
uh, Undisputed Era just sitting around uh, watching TV for no reason. Um, but that's how usually how they do things in the WWE or like there's just a camera already somewhere that it shouldn't be. And then someone else walks in. So this was cool. Cause it looked like it made sense. Like if this was real and a cameraman saw Finn Balor walking down the hallway, they might be like, Hey, where's Finn Balor going? Let me follow him. You know? So I like the little touches like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, well, I swear that's what they do, what they do anyways. When you watch these little, these little documentaries they have from like, They'll mm-hmm. show, like, the day of, of, like, WrestleMania from the previous year. And, like, they're just following random people around. So, I, I, I feel like there's cameras everywhere at all times anyways, just waiting to maybe put something together, you know? Yeah, that, that is how it is. But that also makes it funny because we know they do all these documentaries. And every time we watch the documentaries, we never see anybody break out into a fight and challenge each other to a wrestling match. It was very weird. <laughs> um. Yeah, so um, so Santos Escobar is in the ring doing a promo, and then he's uh, they they I think Lucha House Party comes out right to uh to interrupt, and then then it's like a three on two situation or or something, and then a third person comes in, and that person is uh Kurt Stallion, and um, well uh, wait, Kurt, who who you mean uh? Matthew McConaughey. Oh yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, that that's my description for how he looks. Um, <laughs> talking about physiques, I mean, yeah. If, just imagine if if uh, if you saw Matthew McConaughey and he he had lost a lot of weight <laughs> and a tan. <laughs> he lost his tan and his weight. Um, that's this guy. I don't really see anything in Kurt Stallion, but um, wait. So what was? Matthew McConaughey, what was the movie where he played a guy with AIDS? Uh, that that was um, uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, that's the one. There you go. That that's uh, I guess is that Kurt Stallion? That's Kurt Stallion. Yeah. <laughs> except except Kurt Stallion is not as big and jacked as Matthew McConaughey was in that one. Yeah. Um. All that growth hormone, right? Yeah, of course. Then they give that to AIDS patients. <laughs> Probably. Not not having had AIDS myself, I can't speak on it. Uh, and then, of course, we get the fight pit, which we were supposed to get a couple weeks ago. Or maybe we never were supposed to get it. Maybe we were supposed to get it right when we got it. Um, there's a reason this match has only happened once before, according to uh, uh, Tom Phillips, right? Is it Tom Phillips who does this? No, Vic Vic Joseph. I knew it was one of them yeah, guys. Vic Joseph, yeah, yeah. They're all so they're all, they're all the same. Yeah. They're all uh Michael Cole uh you know cutouts. Yeah, cutouts, clones. I wish they I wish they would get rid of the cloth that all these Michael Cole co- clones are manufactured from. And by by that I would mean Michael Cole is the cloth. Yeah. Uh so so he's Vic Joseph says there's a reason this match has only happened once before. And I was like, Yeah, because you only signed Timothy Thatcher a few months ago. So there hasn't even had time to be that many of these. And there's already been two. Um, so I, I wasn't like a huge fan of this. I wasn't not a fan of it. I'm mostly not a fan of Champa, And I want to like Timothy Thatcher, but I just don't know. Um, so I, I I think I end up giving it like a B. B minus. 
or something like that, if I remember correctly. But I mean, it was, I mean, it was okay just because it was kind of different. But since Timothy Thatcher has more like a shooter presentation and Champa can't really do any of that, he just did his like, you know, fake pro wrestling stuff. So, so it, you know, that's what it was. But I mean, what'd you think? Yeah, I agree. It was actually surprisingly pretty short, which I was happy with. So um, it wasn't long enough to where we got bored. You know, it was just long enough to where, okay, we got it over with. And, you know, it's different. It's unique. I'm kind of with you on the whole uh, – On the, I, have this, I actually share the same views on Ciampa and, and Thatcher. So, yeah. Uh, I guess now they're going to be tag team partners, which should be interesting. And, I, and with that being said, I can, I can almost see them winning the whole thing. Yeah, maybe. And that would be two years in a row where some random team won the Dusty Classic. Because last year it was Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle. What was it? The first, year, the first year it was Samoa Joe and Finn Balor. So that's kind of a... Oh, yeah. It's a tradition. So kind of a, yeah. Has, Has he I, actually won it? I was just going to say the exact same question. But, um, yeah, I really don't know. Um, don't know. Yeah. Well, you you can look that up if you feel like it or not. Uh, I'm going to move on. Oh, sorry. Okay. I was going to say, uh, as far as the brackets go, it looks like uh, Thatcher and Ciampa get a first round bye, and they because uh, right or did they or did they? No, never mind. Did they? Well, well, I'll cover. I'll cover that later. Don't don't get ahead of ourselves. Okay. Without two or five left. Mm, yes. Um which I was going to talk about for a slightly other reason. But before we get there, let's go to the UK branch of NXT because Jenny had her title match against Kaylee Ray. Sergio, did you watch it? Oh, no, I dude. I did not. No. Okay. <laughs> um, well, that's fine. Jenny did not win. Despite Joseph Connor's interference on her behalf, she wasn't able to get it done. Uh, so unfortunate but somewhat expected um which is weird because it's like kaylee ray's been nothing but a heel but i feel like they're just kind of going away from that not that she's acting like a face but just i don't know it doesn't feel heelish so these two heels i don't i don't really know but um jenny didn't get it done not that great of a match overall kind of surprising um not a bad match though just just fine. Just fine for what it was. Jenny didn't lose the uh, six to eight pounds or whatever. Uh, so I don't know what's going on there, but I hope she's all right. Mm, MLW, uh, the debut of Davari um, for MLW. He's joined Contra, you know. I don't know if you've been following along, but Davari is the newest member of Contra. Yeah. Okay. Well, did you see Davari uh, in the ring at all? I did not. Is he still pretty jacked? Dude, he's ridiculous. He looks like he's going for his pro card. Like, this man is, like, cartoonish levels of jacked for, like, a small oh, person. Yeah, he, he looks fantastic. His abs are just, like, yeah, uh, I don't know. This, this guy, it, <laughs> there may be a question about whether, you know, Cody's natural or whatever. There's no question about DeVar. Um, <laughs> and we also got... Um, the title match of Fatu, Jacob Fatu versus ACH. 
They had a nice little match, but I'm sure nobody expected ACH to win this one. Mm, let's see here. SmackDown. Sergio, you saw the whole episode of SmackDown this time. The whole show. I may have fast forwarded, you know, a little bit, maybe to the maybe to the Riot Squad match, but I did watch, you know, pretty much the whole thing. All right. So we're gonna get uh, Sami Zayn chaining himself to the barricade in protest of something. Um, until he interferes later in a Big E and Apollo match. So were you a fan of Sammy chaining himself to the barricade in protest? Yeah, I was. I feel like it's kind of his real-life personality, you know. Just seeing what he does on social media, he's very, you know, kind of outspoken on certain things. That seems kind of like what he'd really do, you know? Right. Um, to open up the show, though, we had uh, Paul Heyman... Um, Basically stepping up to face Adam Pierce in a match. I mean, were you surprised at this point? Were you excited to see Paul Heyman get in the ring and mix it up with Adam Pierce? Yeah, actually, that's the kind of main event that I'd stick around for. You know, uh, it was intriguing. You know, what's going to happen? So I thought that was a cool, cool segment. Um, overall, just a really good promo segment. It was, you know, Reigns is definitely killing it as a heel. Um. Cesaro over Dolph Strong is very strong. I mean, this was a little bit surprising, I would say. Um, so it looks like they almost want to do something with Cesaro because, gosh, you're not going to put somebody over so strong if you're not going to do something with them. Aren't aren't Dolph Ziggler? Isn't he a tag team champion? Yeah, he is. But uh, yeah, it looks like well, it looks like they're teasing that they want to push. Cesaro and Nakamura and those guys, you know, hope, hopefully so, you know, we'll see. Unless they're trying to make them look like, you know, viable or possible winners for the Rumble. Come on, nobody would believe that they would win the Rumble anyway. Yeah. Just especially not based off that. But all, all I know is it took him less time to beat Dolph Ziggler than did for Cody to beat Peter Avalon, so. Yeah. Um, let's see, we get... Oh, here's a surprise match. Well, it's not really a surprise. I think they said it last week. But the boss versus Reginald. Uh, so an intergender match right here on SmackDown. Um, well, I'll let you go first. I actually really like this match a lot. Uh, it was funny. Corey Graves says, uh, we don't know the athletic background of Reginald. And then a minute later, he makes a joke of... Uh, Circus de Sommelier. Uh, so, you know, which we talked a few weeks ago, Reginald uh, got signed uh, with WB not too long ago. He's still very green. Uh, but you couldn't really tell. He looked great in the ring. Uh, but, yeah, he does have that Circus de Soleil background, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So he did a lot of that. He did a lot of that. <laughs> um, yeah, he did. Well, there, there, there's nothing really embarrassing here. You know, not like a not like a Brian Cage Tessa Blanchard type thing or anything like that. Um, but I will say that there goes the believability of Reginald competing against men. You know, not, not like that'll stop him. I mean, I'm sure they'll eventually just he'll just be a regular wrestler or something. But you know, the the way he the way he ended up, you know, losing the match or whatever, it's like, well, if you can't beat Sasha Banks, then I don't see you beating any of these men, you know what I mean? But 
you know. Um, yeah, and, so, and and Sasha had blue eyebrows. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was all right. It's entertaining. He can do some amazing stuff. Like the stuff that, you know, when everybody talks about how the pro wrestlers are such great athletes and they can do amazing things and stuff, it's like, yeah, I guess. But these, these guys are do exclusively amazing things. This is, this is easy for them. The easiest thing he's, he, um, you know, he can do is anything that a wrestler can do. So, so like, uh, the hardest things is some of the crazy coordination that he had to show up. Like even just the way he would like do like sort of like a backwards roll and like jump backwards out of the ring through the ropes, you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. seemed like an easy thing to mess up. Um, but it was very smooth. And I bet yeah. Sasha was excited because she, I, I know she's a Lucha fan. So she got to do some kind of Lucha stuff here, but the stuff she was doing, uh, another female wouldn't be able to post for her in terms of like, because, you know, all the women are, you know, roughly around the same size, mm-hmm. you know, unless she's working maybe at Nia Jax, but she needed a, a strong man to really, to be there so she can do her little, I don't know, frilly, you know, arm drag gimmick and all the high flying stuff she did really. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, before we get to the end of the night, uh, is there anything else on the show that you wanted to cover or mention? Uh, overall, just it was a good show. None of the matches were too long. It, the, the show won't buy quick. And I don't typically watch, you know, a whole SmackDown show. I'll typically watch Raw. Uh, Biggie and um, Apollo was good. Even I, I actually liked the. Uh, Bianca Belair and Bailey also, of course, as well. I thought it was cool, the little swerve at the end with uh, Bianca having to pick up Otis, and she did it with ease. Uh, mm-hmm. That was really cool. Um, what else have we got here? Baron Corbin and Dominic. That match was nice and short, so I can't complain. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's it, really. Yeah, the thing about SmackDown is it goes by quick, like you said, also, because there's so many commercial breaks. And they show so many packages that you can also fast forward. So sometimes you can get all SmackDown done in an hour. <laughs> Pretty great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So in the end, um, we're supposed to get Paul Heyman and uh, Adam Pierce, But, um, you know, Adam Pierce is in the ring. Uh, Paul Heyman comes out. He storms out there. He starts to go up the stairs. And then all of a sudden his knee hurts. <laughs> and he can't quite get in there. But then he lets everybody know that the old phrase card subject to change. And, and I guess it's going to be Roman Reigns, right? Uh, taking on Adam Pierce, which that's what Adam Pierce wanted to avoid all along. Right. So um, it's going to happen. Well, though it did kind of seem weird, like, uh, cause Roman Reigns has been doing this kind of thing where it's like, he, he doesn't want to do the stuff himself. He wants other people to do it. So it seemed kind of weird that he would actually bother to put hands on Adam Pierce. It seemed like the kind of thing he would make Jay Uso do or something. But, you know, for for the reason why it had to happen was because of what we were going to get, which was of course Kevin Owens coming out and, you know, fighting Roman Reigns some more. So that's supposed to get us excited for the uh the Royal Rumble even though we've got one more SmackDown before we get to the Rumble on Sunday. Um and uh yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm sure it'll be a fine match, but I'm not just 
just not too excited about it. And the storyline is not necessarily making me excited about it, even though I always enjoy watching Paul Heyman and Roman do whatever they do. And Kevin Owens. I like Kevin Owens, but it's just the actual, like, the match and fighting part of the angle I don't really enjoy. Let me ask you this. Uh, let's say we don't get Cena or The Rock for WrestleMania. Who would you book against Roman Reigns for WrestleMania? Hmm. I guess they could win the Rumble or... Oh, yeah, they'd have, if, it was, if it's someone from Raw, they'd have to win the Rumble, obviously. Well, it, does, it doesn't matter. Whoever wins the Rumble, like the other person still has to have a match. So it's not, it doesn't really matter. You can make whoever win whatever, but uh, probably Goldberg. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause you know, that's what was supposed to happen last year. We didn't get it. Goldberg's got Drew McIntyre supposedly on the rumble. This, you know, coming up. So whatever, whether he wins or loses that, uh, he could still face, um, Roman Reigns at WrestleMania if they want. So right now the news on the Rumble is they're discussing a finish which is supposed to shock everyone but may leave a lot of fans disappointed. And it reminds me of what Billy Batty kind of kind of mentioned. He says for years they've been, I guess, teeter-tottering with the idea of uh, when the number 30th entrant comes out, the last two guys before him already eliminated each other. So that person will walk out and technically be declared the winner. So I almost wonder if that's what they're uh, thinking about doing this year. Okay, but then who would that be? It'd have to be a heel. Uh, that seems like something they can do with Roman. Like when Roman Reigns returns, remember he'd come out and, you know, wreck everyone and leave. That <laughs> seems like that'd be a good, like, let's say he's coming out now as a heel fresh. That'd be a good finish for him. Um, mm. but I don't know. Unless they have some heel in mind that they want to give that to, but mm. yeah, and then this that person has still got to go on and be in a featured match. Yeah, so you would think it would be somebody that could go, not like a James Ellsworth or something. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, but that's why we watch so that we can find out. Uh, all right, well, let's move on from SmackDown and go immediately into 205 Live because that's what follows immediately after SmackDown. Um, so this was a, a night of debuts because we got the debut of Priscilla Kelly uh, and her tag team partner, Cora Jade, whoever that is, Uh I have the notes as Priscilla Kelly and in parentheses Gigi something. Gigi Dolan or something they call her. I don't know. Yeah, something. And then Cora Jade. And in parentheses, I just put three question marks because I don't know what her name was before or if she had one. I think um, it was Lena Black. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, they take on the Krogers, the other Krogers, which is um, Candace Kroger and um, Indy Kroger. So, of course, those Krogers went over. Um, but Priscilla Kelly's still doing the same, you know, she has a different name, but it's the same gimmick. She's got the, the sort of, uh, kind of looks like poison from final fight, but you know, the kind of like biker hat, with the riding crop, um, her butts out. If you like that kind of thing. And I do, 
I don't know what Final Fight is, but it sounds good. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, so Priscilla Kelly. Now, you're a fan of Priscilla Kelly. Sergio, a self-admitted, proclaimed fan of Priscilla Kelly, the girl yeah, that <laughs> put a tampon in somebody's mouth in an indie match. That's right. I always Not, thought she looked really – I think she's hot, but I always thought she looks really unique, almost similar to kind of like a, like a Maria Kanellis in a way, just really kind of just sticks out from the crowd. She has a long neck. I think that's kind of what makes her look different. Also, uh, I remember I was trying to, I was struggling to recall a match that I saw with her recently. And it was, um, I, re- I recall after we did the podcast, but it was, it was on one of those like replays of the UWN that they were doing for NWA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, I think it was, Thunder Rosa. It was Thunder Rosa and Priscilla Kelly was the match that I was trying to remember. Oh, how was that? Uh, so moving on, uh, we had niece, Tony Nice and Aria Davari, the other Davari, um, facing uh, Ciampa and Thatcher and their new tag team. So they basically uh, beat the shit out of these two guys and moved on. Uh, Thatcher and Champa, that is, beat the shit out of the other two guys. So, um, you know, that that's to be expected. But that's why they're moved on in the in the Dusty Classic. No buy, they actually won their match. So, and technically, uh, since we've seen Champa step on the scale and it said two hundred and one pounds, like doesn't doesn't that mean he belongs now in the cruiserweight division? Yeah, somehow they've left him and Gargano out of the whole thing. Somehow, huh? Yeah. So uh, according, to, according to the Dusty Brackets, it looks like uh, we're going to have Undisputed Era uh, facing Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher in the semifinals. And across from them is MSK and Killian Dane and Maverick. So I think it would be safe to say we're going to see MSK versus Undisputed, Undisputed Era and MSK could be could be a show stealer just in terms of athleticism and what they can do in the ring. So uh, the bracket's looking pretty interesting. Well, more than anything, I just want this whole thing to be over. (laughs) (laughs) Like nothing about it excites me really. I don't, I don't care about any of the teams or people. It just, it's just an excuse to get several weeks of programming and that's fine. I understand it, but I'm just not that excited about it. Yeah, it used to be very exciting back when NXT was really good. Right. So, quick Ring of Honor. I didn't actually watch it this week, but I noticed one of the matches I might go back and watch was uh, Dalton Castle against Josh the Goods Woods. Uh, how much Josh the Goods Woods have you seen, Sergio? Because I think he'd be like a guy that you would be like putting over. He's actually a former uh, NXT developmental talent. I don't think... He may have had a few TV appearances, but uh, I don't know. I follow him on Instagram. I've seen you know some little clips here and there. I know he's like a, I think he's a legit fighter, right? He's got that background, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, but I really haven't seen a whole lot. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I just feel like somehow I knew that you like him, and you, yeah, you follow him on Instagram. So I guess I was right. Uh, is yeah. there anybody you don't follow on Instagram? 
Yeah, I don't follow everybody, to be honest. Uh, but I think when I see someone, I'm like, oh, they look like they, they have potential. I'll kind of start following them. Like I said, I followed World War before, you know, AEW picked them up, stuff like that, you know, cross. So I think maybe at one point I'm like, oh, I think Josh Woods, you know, you know, there's something there, I thought, maybe. Yeah, something. He's got something. I didn't watch his match, though, so I don't know. But, I mean, I've seen I've seen plenty of his matches. They're just like, he's okay, I guess. I don't really, I don't know. But he definitely seems like the kind of guy you would want to develop. I just don't know if he's ever going to have it. But then again, I said similar things about Damian Priest. So maybe it just takes, like, the right person to, you know, to sort of push them along or move them in the right direction or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking of maybe I was going to follow Izzy on Instagram, but it was something creepy about following a kid, so I didn't do it. Twitter's good enough. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's move on to Monday Night Raw then. Um, we had a six-woman tag match here where they did a thing where uh, there was like a uh, 10 count, like somebody got counted out. Um, Shayna Baszler got counted out during this match, and there was like a fast 10 count just to do the spot. And John Cohn did the fast 10 count, but he, he should be ashamed of that uh, for being involved in that since we always put him over. I always put him over as the best referee. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Where he's like, he's like, she's she's out there and he's just kind of like eight, nine, ten, or whatever. You know, it's just like. He's just doing it because it has to be done, but it, they didn't time it right, so he just went ahead and went through with it, and it didn't even end up being the finish. It's like th- that's the only thing more shameful than the fact that they fucked that spot up was that that wasn't the finish, and that they restarted the match, and we have to watch more of it. So again, we're suffering on this raw because there's plenty of people that are out with COVID, and um, we're we're getting like long and multiple matches. Uh, from the same person. Like, how many times during this show did like a match end and then get restarted, just to just to drag out the length? I don't understand why you need to do that. Why don't you just have a long match if that's what you want to do? Does it matter if you break it up? I, I don't. Do you think that makes it more interesting? Like, uh, I don't uh, know. No, maybe they're trying to just make things different, so they don't like you know repeat the same thing on the same night or something. Well, they did. They they did. They repeated it a couple times. There was a there was multiple restarts uh, on this show. So I don't know. So it's so it's 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 bad enough that we ever have to watch this show once, meaning Raw. Um, let alone watch it again with Alexa Bliss on her little standard deaf television. So like I, I've got to watch her watch Raw on the television. Last week's Raw. Uh, I I'm not into that. Um. Yeah, Edge is here. Well, not here, here, but he's like, he did a promo in this little dark ring corner that he does promos in now sometimes. It's uh, probably the ring at his house that he trains at, I'm assuming. Yeah, either that or that partial ring that Caleb Braxton does interviews in. Um, well, what did you think of this promo? I thought it was all right. Um, you know, surprise return from Edge. I'd go out and live and say he'd be probably one of the odds-on favorites to win it. Uh, so I asked you earlier, I'd probably book um, Edge and Roman Reigns. 
I think I think that'd be a good main event. We we never seen it before. They both got the spear. Um, Edge probably one of the biggest baby faces. Roman one of the biggest heels. I think I think that'd be a good main event. Yeah, that'd be a good main event. If just for the fact that we haven't seen it before. Yeah, that too. We definitely um, don't want to see. I don't want to see Edge and Orton again. Do you? No, no, yeah. no. We're done with that. They had the greatest wrestling match ever. I mean, why would you uh, try to capitalize they're, they're, on that? They seem like they're dead set and having some kind of I quit match for some odd reason. Yeah, just don't do it. All he's got to do is grab Randy Orton by the face, and Randy Orton will quit because he's yeah. gone. So, uh, speaking of which, um, if anyone enjoys this fiend stuff, like you know, we've talked about it. Like who who who's actually legitimately enjoying this? Um, but if anyone is like out there actually enjoying this, then I hope they get sterilized, like to the point so that they can't have kids anymore. Whatever that is, if they have to be neutered or if there's some kind of radiation thing or something, but like, like I don't want a world to continue with more, more and more people like this. Um, like you're, you're, you're doing a supernatural angle where it's like crazy ghost demon powers and stuff like that. And Randy Orton's hitting wrestling moves on a girl, you know what I mean? Like, what is the RKO compared to the power of the devil? I don't know. What's that going to do? It's just the whole thing is just ridiculous. It's all ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, no matter how you look at it, no one can defend it. Um, even the people that say, oh, it's just wrestling is supposed to be silly. No, no, not like this. Not like this. They weren't doing stuff like this. Um, yeah, I can only suspend my disbelief so far. Right. So I just, I'm not a. Not into it, man. Not into it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's all I got for this episode. Really, that's all I wanted to say. There wasn't much to say. I was kind of, it was kind of on in the background. I'm kind of paying attention to it, and they do stuff. But there's nothing I can really comment on. It's not like it's so good that I have to put it over. I mean, almost nothing on Raw is good enough for me to put over. And then it's not bad to the point where. Uh, I have to tear it apart like I just did for the things I chose to tear apart. It's mostly just kind of like, eh, okay. You know, like Herd Business comes out and they have their little VIP lounge and R-Truth and all that stuff. It's like, okay, you know, fine. I'm not, not really a thumbs up or down. It's just, it just it just happened. And that's how, that's how most of the show was for three hours. And it's like the opposite of SmackDown. It feels so long. I felt like I was watching it for four hours. And then I looked at my DVR counter as I was fast forwarding. It was only two hours. And I was like, Jesus, how could there be another hour of this? So yeah, that was long as hell, dude. It's even, it's long and it, it, it feels longer than it is. Felt like, it felt like five hours. So I just, I don't know how they're doing it. And I don't know how they convinced NBC to give them a billion dollars um, on top of this. What a bunch of con artists. Uh, but, you know, good for them if they can get a billion dollars out of NBC. But, yeah, is there anything else that, um, you know, no Keith Lee because supposedly he's sick now. Uh, so we're going to have to wait a little bit for him. Um, anything else we want to bring up? No, I don't know if I had mentioned it. Maybe I did it. So according to Billy Batty, the rumored one of the rumored main events now for Mania is Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus, which I was very surprised to hear. 
I was like, what? So I don't know, man. Uh, did Seamus go over on Miz and Morrison? Yes. Hmm. Well, at least one of them. Oh, I know he beat he beat John Morrison, and then the Miz challenged him to a handicap match right afterwards. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's an instance where the match was over and then it got restarted. And so yeah. the so now Seamus just accepts a handicap match after he had this whole other match. And then he still almost won, but then the Miz hit him with the skull crusher finale at the end. So so he didn't quite go over, but I think they proved his point that he was tough enough to almost beat these two guys. Yeah, that went on too long. Too long. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that they would go for a Sheamus and uh, Drew McIntyre because even though that doesn't sound like a good match, or or not, I don't want to say it doesn't sound like a good match, but it doesn't sound like an exciting idea to us. I mean, that's all they've been planning towards. They've been they've been planning towards that for weeks. If you look at it, with this whole all of a sudden they're going to talk about Sheamus being his friend and everything like that, and all this stuff they were doing with Keith Lee and all this. It was all building to this. And they still got a couple more months to go. So, yeah, by the time WrestleMania rolls around, I could totally see them putting Sheamus in that spot. Unless something better comes along, of course. You know, I'm sure the plans can change at the last minute. But, you know, if well, they got nothing Mania, better. The Mania is officially going to be in two nights again. Um, eh. They're thinking about doing it in front of a crowd. I heard they're going to wait to see what the Super Bowl does. But that seems kind of too close together. I don't know. But um, from what I understand, they're they're looking to bring in some part timers. I know the it's it's WrestleMania 37, right? I think so. So I guess John Cena's confirmed for that one. Um, so he's and probably Goldberg. So yeah, we'll see man. We might see Cena versus Reigns. That's a good possibility. Nobody wants to see that. But I don't want to I, see that. I, <laughs> Um, I think, uh, what do you mean when you say it's too close together? Like the Super Bowl and WrestleMania, you mean? Well, isn't the Super Bowl in February? Yeah, it's like two weeks from now. I guess, yeah, we're getting close to Mania then. I didn't think about it. I don't know. I just thought, like... (laughs) But the Mania is going to be like at least least another month or so after that. You know, it's usually around the end of March or the beginning of April. So... You know, that'll be a good enough time. And once they see what they, I, I don't know how many people they plan to have there. Cause this is the first time where the Super Bowl um, is going to be uh, played in Raymond James Stadium, which is Tampa Bay. And that's where WrestleMania was supposed to be last year. Uh, and what's interesting about that is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are actually in the Super Bowl. Um, against the Kansas City Chiefs. So this will be the first time that, because they always like move the Super Bowl to different stadiums um, every year. And then this this is the first time I think ever in history that a team is playing in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. Because you normally have it be like oh. a, new, a neutral ground because, you know, so that the team doesn't, no team has an advantage. But they book, they book the uh, the stadiums like, you know, years out in advance. So theoretically one of the teams could get to the Super Bowl and then play in their home stadium. Um, and that's exactly what finally happened this year. 
So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what what happens and what the crowd looks like there. It is Florida, so you know they have fans in stadiums and places and stuff, limited fans, but I don't know how limited. So maybe that's going to have something to determine um, how much you know what WrestleMania is going to do. Plus, uh, there's more seating in a wrestling setup than there is a football setup because you need room for the field and everything like that. So they'll be able to put more seats uh, in the stadium if it's um, if it's wrestling. So they'll be able to spread the people out farther. Uh, should yeah. work. You know, we all know everybody's crazy in Florida. Just let them do what they want. <laughs> Did you catch any impact? No, I just, um, I just looked at like, you know, I see them on my, the YouTube clips on my, on my feed and I don't click on any of them cause I always get disappointed. I saw that Matt Cardona had an actual impact debut there. No, he showed up at hard to kill. I think, right. The pay-per-view. Oh, was it? Okay. Whatever I saw. Yeah. I was going to talk about that. Uh, Trey Miguel made his return. Surprisingly enough, he's the, yep. the rascal that didn't sign. Mm-hmm. I figured he would have at least gone to AEW. So I wonder mm-hmm. what happened there. I don't know. Don't know. Um, so yeah, so that's uh that's all I got for impact. Uh, <laughs> yeah. they usually do like a five minute clip that says like the five must see moments. And as a as of uh when we started recording, they did not upload that five must-see moments thing on YouTube that I saw, so I didn't get a chance to watch the five must-see moments. Although I'm sure must-see is a stretch. Um, Yeah. So New Japan has been running their shows uh, for getting ready for the new beginning, um, which the first show is, uh, the new beginning is going to be on the 30th, which is Saturday, which will be headlined by uh, Shingo Takagi versus um, Tanahashi for the never open weight championship. So this will be a, a belt that Tanahashi has never won. He'll be going for it. Um, this will be exciting for Mark, I guess, because these are two of his favorites since he started watching new Japan. So to see them in a main event and Tanahashi in a main event, is always a cool thing to check out, even though I'm sure Sergio won't. Um, and then on the, I think in February, they're going to have the next, you know, couple of shows. I think last time since we talked about New Japan and I've been putting over El Phantasmo to the moon, uh, but he and Taiji Ishimori won the uh, junior heavyweight tag team championships um, from Desperado and Kanemaru. So, uh, yeah, El Phantasmo is a champion. And he was doing some commentary with Kevin Kelly on some of the shows. So that was pretty funny, too. Um, Yeah. And um, let's see. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to on Saturday. Um, And then towards, you know, I think it's like February 10th and 11th or something like that is the is the final shows of the of the new beginning. And that's the one where it's going to have Kota Ibushi versus Sonata for the double championship and the other stuff. So. um, So it's weird how they do that, like. They have multiple. They have multiple shows for their for their show. You would think it would be like one show, kind of like Wrestle Kingdom, but they actually have multiple shows, and they space them out so far apart. I don't know why you would do one 
on the 30th and then there's one on the 10th and 11th like back to back after a, like almost two weeks off uh yeah that is weird are, are, are they doing house shows right now yeah they're still doing their, they're still doing their, their uh, yeah they're, they're still doing it um cork and hall shows and stuff like that and they'll be doing some of those in between there's they're like almost every day but i, I just i don't know why they I don't know. The scheduling is weird. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. It's, it's, do they it's all still? Do they all still travel on the same bus? Mm, I don't know. I don't really know. I never looked into it. But uh, I mean, they they're following all the safety precautions everywhere they go. So I'm sure every time they get on the bus, everybody has to get checked. And you know, what I mean, if you just got checked, I'm sure you're still fine. You know, like while you're on the bus, yeah. kind of thing, like. So I don't know, but they've had no they've had no cases for the fans anyway, like no new cases for the fans ever since they've been running shows. Um, and I think maybe one of the wrestlers has tested positive, but it didn't end up infecting anybody else, I guess. So, um, you know, they've been they've been doing it over there with fans, so it's been kind of cool. Hmm. Yep, that's uh well I think that's all the wrestling that there is for this week. Unless yeah, I forgot that something. That about sums it up. All right, well. Um I didn't want to do this at the top of the show. I wanted to just have a nice show uh and let everybody enjoy it. But um Sergio has one final piece of news for you guys. Um and I'll let him share that with you now. So go ahead, Serge. I thought you were going to wish me luck in my uh, future endeavors. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it won't mean anything if no one knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I, I unfortunately have to step away from the uh, the podcast business, if you will. Um, just recently got back into school. I'm going to start my uh, student teaching uh, as well as classes along with that and work. And something had to give. I tried to give up the kid. That didn't work. Nothing. <sighs> Damn. <laughs> and yeah, my schedule just be, it's just uh it's hectic right now and I just can't can't put in the time, unfortunately, or the effort into um you know, doing the podcast. Hell, I don't even know if, how much wrestling I'm gonna be watching. Maybe just AEW, huh? Maybe. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean that's the thing, like it's one thing to say, oh man, it only it's only like an hour, maybe two hours a week that you have to do the podcast, which is true, but he's also got to watch all this other wrestling and everything to talk about it too. You know, that takes up a lot of time. Um, yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of preparation, I will say, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so like, I get it. And, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of unfortunate, but Sergio can't be replaced. He's not one of those. It's not just a question of me doing a podcast because I love doing a podcast. I started the podcast. We started the podcast because in large part due to Sergio, um, it was his idea originally. And uh, I didn't go for it at, at first. Um, maybe if I did, things would have been different. Uh, things would have all turned out different. But um, it was originally his idea. And then once I decided, hey, yeah, that would be a good idea. Then I had to talk Serge back into it. Um, and just a bunch of different stuff. But the whole reason that we started the podcast was because Sergio would always text me about wrestling and I didn't like texting about wrestling. So I just said, Hey, wouldn't it be easier to just do a podcast about wrestling? 
then we can get all the conversations out there and and we can catch up on everything um without without having me have having to answer his mark questions like who do you think is gonna win the rumble dude you know i could just <laughs> tell <laughs> i could just tell him who i thought was gonna win the royal rumble so um so like that's how the whole thing started so it's not just a question of wanting to do a wrestling podcast i couldn't care less one way or the other about doing it even though it's been fun and i i hope you all enjoyed listening to it um up to now but uh it's more so of a case of like this was a this was a team project and even if i have guys like mark come in and fill in for sergio i filled in i did the show by myself on our second week ever uh because sergio wasn't able to make it so so like so i've been here every single like i've done every single episode and Sergio's only missed like a handful of episodes, but I can get a substitute for an episode, but I'm not going to get a substitute for the show. So if you see me do anything new from now on, um, it's not going to be two in because that's me and Sergio's thing. Uh, and it always will be. And who knows, maybe if something changes in the future and we'll be able to come back to it. Um, never say never in this business. Right, Sergio? That's right. Never say never. Yeah. So this may not be goodbye. It could just be see you later. Um, but, uh, yeah. So real quick. Um, so you got this, you got this student teaching, uh, position and this is a, this is an unpaid position. So it's kind of like, uh, an internship, right? Somewhat or like work or school, uh, work program or so, something like that. Yeah. Cause after I graduate, uh, before I get a job, I have to have like X amount of like uh, hours. Mm-hmm. And go towards that yeah this is the standard stuff for teachers really um yeah yeah you, know, you got to have that real world experience but that's going to be interesting now because of everything is it going to have to be like an online thing too yeah it's actually in a way it's kind of a blessing in disguise it's more convenient this way you know being online i would say which i think is probably another reason why a lot of teachers don't want to go back to school i feel like you know working from home is kind of a uh, kind of ideal i guess yeah right for some so, maybe yeah, for some. Well, let's face it, for all. Anytime you don't have to leave the house, it's 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 definitely more convenient. Um, yeah. but uh but yeah, well, congratulations on getting that, man. I know you're going to kill it. Um Thanks, even though it's a even though it's a scary idea to think of Sergio teaching and shaping the future minds of this coming <laughs> generation, like I mean, you've heard him on the podcast. You you don't want that, but I mean, nonetheless, somebody's got to do it, right? And it's you know, it's, they're just Kentucky kids. It's not like they're important or anything. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so, yeah, so that that's that's cool. But unfortunately, it means that uh, 2N is going to be on hiatus for an indefinite period of time. Now, that also means that Sergio's not going to be able to do the um, next level wrestling review for Hameen Media Group with me anymore. Is that that correct, Sergio? Yes, that is correct, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I will continue to do that um, as, as, far as, I, as far as I can. Um, and I don't know what else will happen to the show, but you'll still be able to find me there. Um, and you'll be able to find us at all social media. So even if Serge isn't on the show, you can always reach out to him and let him know um, that he's your favorite wrestler. Um, and, and that's going to be um, go ahead, Sergio. Give him your uh, social media one last time. Yeah, Instagram Sergezilla, and Twitter at Mister Sergezilla. That's it. And I'm at Opinion Haver everywhere. So 
I just want to say thanks uh, to everybody for supporting us, listening to us, um, and spending your time with us. We know there's like a billion podcasts out there, and we thank you for choosing ours. Um, any other final goodbyes messages that you want to have, Sergio? I'll let you close this show out since it's the last one. Uh, well, man, it's, it's been a, I've had a great time doing this show. It's been a lot of fun. It's been cool. And, um, and yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I'd like to do it again at some point. I'm sure we, we will, you know, sooner rather than later. All right. You want to hit him with the tagline? Uh, yeah. So we've been two in and now we are two out. <laughs> <laughs>